Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. prayer because in these next moments we're going to ask God to speak to us from his word and make himself real in this message. Let's pray. Father we thank you as we gather together here in the name of Jesus Christ. We come before you. We humble our hearts before you admitting that we need you and without you we cannot be what you want us to be. So now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would energize these moments, that you would speak your word through the pages of Scripture, the stories we'll read, the words we'll speak. And we ask that you help our hearts, minds, and attention to be focused properly so that we can see you as you are. Help us to hear and receive what you're saying and to grow to be the people you want us to be. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And we said, amen. All right. The Writing on the Wall is our series for the whole month of September. It's the story and the, the book of Bible book of Daniel. One of the more profound books in the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of the more prophetic books right up there with the book of Revelation that predicts what's going to happen in the very end of days. And so we're going to talk this morning about probably the most famous story uh, relating to Daniel there is. And maybe for some people the most notable story in the whole Bible. It's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But it's not just a story about Daniel and lions and uh, prayer and miracles. It's a story about dealing with fear. And this morning I want to talk to us a little bit about how we deal with our fears. And uh, we're going to start out with a a couple of questions for you to consider. And that is... um, I want you to think for a moment about what things in your life really motivate fear. What things are you really afraid of? Maybe let's expand the question a little bit. Talk about what are some things that you won't do or places you won't go because of fear. Things you won't do or places you won't go because of fear well I'll start and uh, with her permission this morning I'm going to share a story about my wife because uh, you've heard all my scary crazy stories and uh, I I've got them so I I, you know all that but uh, a number of years ago we were invited to go and speak at some churches in Switzerland that, that we've known for a number of years and we went there and we had a great time and and in order to because they were so gracious as hosts to us they they took us to do some sightseeing in Switzerland and and one afternoon they came up and they said hey you know we there's this beautiful experience we have we'd love to take you uh, through to show you these caves in Switzerland and uh, I didn't think anything of it and Doreen didn't think anything of it because you know we're kind of doing the tour thing here there or the other place and uh, so we we saw all that and they took us to this cave and they said okay well here you go and and you went into the entry and they paid there was some kind of an entry fee and they were describing it and you know I'm thinking going into a cave like you know like looking at a big mouth of a cave and going in and looking around coming back out but it was nothing like that 
it was kind of like the Roman catacombs. You know, we, you went into this little doorway and you went in and it looked pretty big and then you went down a little carved stairway and it got smaller and smaller and it spiraled down and you're ducking. And uh, I'm not really big on caves and closed in spaces. My wife's really, really not big on caves and closed in spaces and I didn't think of it until we were about a third of the way down that little tunnel and we're just ducking lower and lower down into this mountain and I heard something behind me and I thought, um, I wonder what that is and I turned around and I saw there's tears coming out of my wife's eyes and I said, uh, honey, are you all right? She said, nope. <laughs> and uh, her, one of her fears, and it's because she is claustrophobic, she has a little bit of claustrophobia, doesn't really like closed, locked in, tight, enclosed spaces, nothing is like that, like that cave was. So. Uh, just, just to help her, I said, okay, I'll take you back out. Well, you're not supposed to go back because there's people coming down, but we did go back, and we went back fast. And uh, up we went, and I took her hand, and we crawled over the one-way gate and got out of there and breathed easy again, and we, we survived the cave experience. So I've learned something about my wife. If there's a cave, a tunnel, or something underground where it's closed in, it's a place Doreen is probably not going to go because of fear. Now that's, that's not a fear that's really any, in any sense a, a controlling derogatory thing like, oh, this is going to affect my spiritual life. It's just what some of us have. But there are other fears that are not quite as innocent as that. As a matter of fact, we've all discovered, if we're honest, that all of us have the ability to be moved by fear. We can say things, I mean, especially guys, you know, we'll toughen up and say, oh, I'm not afraid. And we can toughen up and we can do the, the guy thing. We can say, I'm not afraid. But fear does move us. And this morning's story in the Bible, the book of Daniel, is a story that I think illustrates good fear and bad fear. It's the story of, as we share Daniel and the lion's den, we're going to read it. It's in, book, in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We're going to just read through the story because it is, it is a profound and wonderful, encouraging story in our Bible. Follow along as we read Daniel, chapter 6. It said, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province, the king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers, officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We're all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that is strictly enforced Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. 
They were playing on his ego and being extremely manipulative. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, just remember that, what did he do? He went home, he knelt down as usual in his upstairs rooms with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Also worth remembering. Giving thanks to his God. Then the officer, officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians, cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the, lion, the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, even the king saw that, may he rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Just a quick little forethought. Anybody think of anybody else who was laid in a cave with a stone roll over it and was sealed with a royal seal? I think we know. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully, was he able to rescue you from the lions? Tense moment, waiting for the answer. Daniel answered, here was the word, long live the king. My God has sent the angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed that Daniel and that Daniel and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Somebody say amen. That's a great place for that. 
Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Now this is a good spot here for just a quick little thing. I just love reading ultra-liberal interpretations of the Bible. I don't agree with them, but I love reading them because they really, you know, they just take all the miracles of the Bible and then they try to explain them in a way that we can either understand them or not because of course there is no real miracle effect here it just happened so I remember reading about you know well Daniel and the lion's den it's not a real miracle the lions just weren't hungry they don't eat at night or whatever else so you know it's very interesting that they weren't hungry for Daniel but the next verse uh, tells us that evidently uh, they were hungry it said the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den then King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and language and nation throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Mind you, this was a royal decree that was read and shouted on every street corner in every town all throughout the empire of Media and Persia. It said, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And that's our story for today. You may be interested to know if you haven't followed along with this series, but you might be interested to know that, you know, I've read a lot of kids' books about Daniel and the lion's den and all of that. But uh, when Daniel was taken captive way back in Daniel chapter 1, when he was taken from his home in Jerusalem and the purge of Nebuchadnezzar and brought to Babylon, it was almost certain that he was a teenager, maybe as young as 15 or 16, but not much older, ever, hardly at all, than 18. As this writing is given, Daniel is 82 years old, 82. So we're not talking about a young man in a lion's den, we're talking about an old man in a lion's den. We're talking about a man who had the courage to face a great fear in the very end of his life. We're talking about a man who stood up for God and against an order of the king because he realized it was the right thing and the order was the wrong thing. It was a story of a person who found himself useful to God and got himself in the last years of his life as the very center of God's attention. At 82 years of old, we read the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It said he prospered later through the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Cyrus was the king of Persia who ordered and decreed that all the captives that came from Jerusalem, like Daniel, under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, could go back home and rebuild. And he gave an order to pay for that rebuilding of the city and temple out of the treasury of the kingdom of Persia. So Daniel was used by God by now in three different great kings, administrations, and empires, Babylon, Media, and Persia. 
In each of these cases, we have an order where that king, as a result of the miracle of Daniel that God did through Daniel, that king gave an order that in all the land, everyone is to honor and revere the God that Daniel serves. That sounds like he made a real difference in life. And just as a rehearsal for what we, the whole motivation behind this series is Daniel was never a preacher. Daniel was not a pastor. Uh, he, he was a prophet because God showed him dreams and visions, but he had no profession to do with religion. Daniel's profession was political administration. He served in the administration of kings and kingdoms, in the oversight of staff. He would have been maybe the equivalent of the president's chief of staff or something like it today. And he served in many kingdoms. And because he was so faithful, God used him to change the effect upon the entire empires of the known world at that time. And yet he was never a preacher. He was faithful. Daniel had a real cause uh, to fear as this decree was given. He could have been a victim in this story. Instead, he turned out the victor. And I want you to examine that today as we unfold this story and try to apply it to our lives. Rather than a victim, Daniel became the victor. He experienced a miracle that is probably one of the most well-told stories in the whole Bible uh, for thousands of years now. People have been telling their children the story of Daniel in the lion's den. He was made to prosper in spite of his adversaries. Daniel had real adversaries. Did you read about it? The king was going to make him in charge and oversee. He reorganized his government and said, we're going to have all these governors and all these princes and all these overseers, and I want Daniel to supervise them all. Well, they didn't appreciate Daniel supervising them all. And they realized that the only way we're going to get back at him is to come at him through the doorway of his religion because he, he, his personal life and his work life is impeccable. He's a person of integrity. There's no big fault glaring out at Daniel's life that you can go, ha, ah, just press that button and he's gone. It's unfortunate today in our own country when we see such, such political, intense arguing and fault finding and nitpicking, but I don't think it was probably much different back then. They were looking for something, the dirt on Daniel, and they couldn't find it. And they realized that if we're going to get Daniel in any way, we've got to get him with this religion because he won't compromise that. And so they orchestrated. He, he found a way. He was made to prosper in spite of his enemies. Daniel not only experienced a victory outward, a victory outwardly, he experienced victory inside. If you ever want to look at an interesting quick little study, I'd encourage you to look at places in the Bible where important people couldn't sleep at night. Places in the Bible where important people couldn't sleep. And uh, we've read one here this morning. The king of media, Darius, couldn't sleep all night long. He stayed up all night long. Why? He was worried about Daniel. He realized that he had been tricked into making this decree. He knew that these other governors were jealous. And now he, he realized, I'm the reason Daniel's in that den. I like Daniel. I never wanted this to happen. I shouldn't have done it, but I can't reverse it. Oh, no. Maybe he wasn't a servant of the living God, but it wouldn't surprise me if he prayed to him that night and said, whoever you are, please 
help Daniel. He needs your help. And the king couldn't sleep. We don't know, but uh, my guess, I don't think Daniel spent the night pacing in the lion's den afraid, oh God, please, no, please, no. I think Daniel might have slept and the king couldn't. Daniel not only experienced an outward miracle, he experienced an inward miracle, and that is he didn't fear the obvious danger laid before him. Everyone say he didn't fear. If he would have feared the lions, he could have compromised his prayer. You thought about that? 30 days? Really, Daniel? Really, do you have to have the windows open toward Jerusalem? Now, I, I understand. To us, that's meaningless. But to, but to the Jews, that is a real part of their prayer. It's not, it's not just like, well, okay, this, you know, is a symbol. It really is how they pray. So it was important to Daniel. But Daniel could have rationalized very easily. You know, I can pray secretly to you, God. You see me. I'll just go and quietly pray to God three times a day. And nobody will see me. And God will see me. And we'll be out of this trouble. He could have easily done that. But he didn't do it. Because he wasn't afraid of the lions. And he wasn't afraid of the king's decree. And he wasn't afraid of the malicious uh, people in his life, his enemies that tried so hard to bring him down. He was unafraid of that. So here's the question. How do you overcome fear like that? How do we overcome the fears of our life, whatever they are? When I asked you at the beginning, you know, we tell the story about silly fears, and I've got a silly fear of bats that I don't like at all, and, and uh, I know you'll laugh about that, but, you know, probably if you went home and there was a snake in some of your house, you'd be outside of the house about as fast as I would be if there was a bat in mine. And, uh, you know, and I've heard stories about people with spiders that don't like them at all. And so, you know, there's all kinds of irrational fear of heights. There are some people that won't fly on an airplane. You know, it'd be fine if the airplane just flew on the ground and just, you know, but up in the sky. So those are all kind of irrational, silly fears. But we have real fears that move us to do things and make us to be people that we're not proud of. How do we overcome those real fears? Here's my my belief what I really believe when threatened by hateful people in certain death if he kept God's ways Daniel refused to act fearfully what was his secret his secret was that this kind of fear the fear of death the fear of the king the fear of other people was vanquished long ago long before the night with the lions you know how he vanquished it Daniel didn't need to fear the lions because he feared God more than anything else. Everyone say he feared God. Now we're going to talk about that for a little bit. I'm not telling you, and I think it would be a big stretch, to tell you that the people in the Bible didn't feel any apprehension. You know, I I'm, 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 can't even imagine it, but I would imagine that the thought of getting eaten by lions, even if you're prepared to go to heaven at the end of that experience, might be a little unnerving. I'm not going to tell you that Daniel or any one of us wouldn't feel afraid. And I'm not going to tell us that we don't feel afraid when we get bad news or we hear bad reports or we realize somebody is acting in a betraying way behind our back. We hear those things and we feel afraid. There's nothing wrong with feeling afraid. 
Daniel found a way to trump that fear card with a better fear. And that better fear that Daniel trumped his fear of the lions with had been developed over a period of a whole life. It was the fear of God. The fear of God. Now, uh, I want you to hold that thought because I don't think we understand the fear of God very good and I want to help us explain it just a little bit. Proverbs 19.23 is one of dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures in the Bible that speak about the fear of God. I like this one. It said, the fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protecting from harm and protection from harm. The fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security. The New International Version of this says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. And the night when the king couldn't sleep, Daniel was resting content. Why? Because in the morning when they asked him, what about this? He said, my God has sent the angel to shut the lion's mouth. Here's why. I was found innocent before him. And I really didn't do any harm to you either, O king. I rested tonight. I, I, I made it through last night resting content. Because many, many years ago, I made a decision as a teenager when I was taken away to Babylon, when Nebuchadnezzar said, here's what you need to do, and here's the food you need to eat, and the culture you need to assimilate into, and, and the customs you need to practice. And he said, King, I'll serve you, I'll be faithful, I'll be a great worker, but I won't violate God's ways. And if that means I die, then I die. If it means I live, then I live. But I have someone more important to please Oh, great Nebuchadnezzar, than you. He's the living God. And Daniel made that decision, and he stuck to it, and he developed it over a period of years and decades. So when the lion's den threat was offered to Daniel, he didn't reconsider. He didn't have to go back and think, okay, okay, how am I going to get out of this one? Yeah, we're in a pickle now. I'll tell you what, we, well, I don't know what we're going to do. There was no pickle. There was no decision to make. The decision was made because Daniel decided to do what God wants more than what man wanted. He decided to do what God wanted rather than what would bring him ease and comfort. And Daniel did. And so when we talk about fear of God, it's a... Uh, it's difficult for us. And, you know, when I find that in our Christian circles, we, we, quickly, we quickly do little end arounds to protect people that hear stories that make them afraid of God. Here's an example. We'll say things like, you know, uh, well, you know, God is this and that. We'll say, oh, no, no, the fear of God, you know, that just means that we just respect God. It doesn't mean we're afraid of him or, you know, God, ooh, God doesn't do bad things. So, and, and I understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to draw near to God and not keep him at an arm's length because they're literally afraid of him. But the fear of the Lord really isn't about whether I'm comfortable with somebody or whether I'm afraid of somebody. The fear of the Lord is all about choosing to do what he wants because he's the most important person in my life. And Daniel made that choice. The fear of God recognizes God 
as the ultimate judge of man. Can someone say amen? It recognizes God as the ultimate judge. It means that, you know, whatever, whenever, or however, my life on earth is over, I'm going to stand before God. And it really won't matter at that point if somebody in my life liked me or didn't. It really won't matter too much at that point if I was the favorite at work and got promoted or I got passed by. It really won't matter if everybody thought I was a good person or they didn't think I was a good person. The only thing that will matter is I'll be standing before the living God who has complete power over my life at that moment. That's what will matter. Am I right with him? He's the ultimate judge of man, the most important person in all the universe. So that's where the fear of God starts with. It just recognizes that. So, so if you want to do yourself a, a little bit of a favor, in, 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 instead of thinking, oh, God is a... Just realize, fast forward to that moment. Fast forward to that moment and think, you know, if I face God today, am I good? Not good? And if I'm not good... This would be a great time to fix it, so I am good uh, because I still have time to do that. Secondly, the fear of God chooses to value his opinion of us more than everyone else. It chooses to value his opinion more than anyone else. More than Nebuchadnezzar, more than Darius, more than Daniel's wicked people in his life, his enemies. More than that, he chooses to value God's opinion. And he saw that God liked it when he prayed three times a day. And so he said, that's what I do. That's who I am. The fear of God also sets good boundaries for your life and for your relationships. And it's a good thing. People say, well, if I, I'm not afraid of God if I do something bad. I, it's not afraid of so much as it's okay to have boundaries in your life. Things where you say, you know, I'm not going there because that's, that's I don't want to, I just don't want to push that boundary. I don't want to be in a spot where I have to explain myself to God and, and then have to recoil at what have I done someday Here's a little statement I hope you'll remember. When you fear God above all else, you will need to fear nothing else. When you fear God above all else, you will need to fear nothing else. Daniel proved that. Wasn't afraid of the lions. Wasn't afraid of the king's decree. His three friends were not afraid of the fiery furnace. I love their statement when King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you into that fiery furnace and what God is able to save you. And they said, King, we don't need to think about this. Our God is able to save us. But they ended it by saying, even if he doesn't, we're not bowing to your idol. So go ahead and throw us in the fire. The fear of God. When you fear God above all else, you will need to fear nothing else. Daniel had chosen long ago to fear God above all else. This decision about the lions was easy. Back to our lives. How do we deal with the fears in our life? You know, 
uh, it's a very simple childlike example, but I found it helpful a lot of times in my life when it comes to dealing with fear and difficult situations. Especially when we feel like, oh boy, we're, we're getting overtaken, we're troubled, we're attacked, we're, we're hemmed in on every side. You get that feeling like, oh no, what are we going to do? There was a story once about, someone told me, so how, what happens when you're driving along in your car and you get a flat tire? You can do a lot of things with that. You can go out and you can look at your car and you can look at your tire and realize, well, we're done. We can't go on. And uh, if you want to change the situation, you could pray, right? Prayer is good. But prayer alone isn't going to fix your flat tire. But you could pray something like this. You could say, dear Lord, I've got this tire. And it's such a good tire. And it's been so good to me. I've always gotten where I needed to go. But today's just a bad day. All this pressure. My tire just can't take it anymore. It gave it up. God, please, can you take the pressure away from the outside of my tire? Because I really need to get where I need to go today. You can pray that prayer. Maybe God would even smile on it. But we know that that's not how you fix a flat tire, is to take all the pressure away from the outside of it so it will be strong again. You fix a flat tire, first of all, by repairing the leak, and second of all, by putting more pressure on the inside of the tire than there is on the outside of the tire. Can someone say amen? Where I'm going with this is the fear of God puts more pressure in your heart of good fear than there is bad fear on the outside. You can pray to God and say, God, why? Why the lions? I'm doing all the right things. Daniel could have prayed all his life. God, why am I taken to Jerusalem? I never did anything bad. Why does King Nebuchadnezzar want me? Why am I having to learn all these Babylonian customs? Why do I have to, you know, eat this bad food? Why is there this idol that we have to deal with? Why are there all these things? And now, after 82 years of serving you, this is how I'm rewarded. Please, God, take this pressure away. Daniel didn't have to have the pressure taken away on the outside because he had a stronger pressure on the inside. His pressure on the inside was, Father, I know you love me. I know you have a plan for me. And I know you're going to reward me one way or another. So regardless of what happens on the outside, regardless of what the lions do, one way or another, I'm secure in my relationship with you. And I'm not going to fear the lions, the king, or jealous people that are enemies in my life. Can you say amen? And that pressure on the inside overcame the pressure of fear on the outside. So back to our story. If you have fears in your life, I'm not talking about spiders, snakes, or, or caves, or bats, or something like that. I'm talking about fears that move you and control you and make you to be a person you're not proud of. Let God give you the right kind of fear. Make a decision to do and to be the person God wants you to be deep down on the inside. And then those fears on the outside 
can get pushed back into their proper perspective. It doesn't mean we won't feel afraid. It does mean we won't have to act on those fears. And you can look and you can walk right past a situation in your life where you used to get pushed into fear and you did what everybody wanted you to do even though it was the bad thing and everybody could predict. It was like a string, you know. Oh, yeah, he says he's following God, but wait till he gets at the party. You'll see what happens. And you'll get there and you'll realize, no, I'm just going to walk right past that. People go, oh, you've really changed. What's really changed is not your ability to be stronger. What's really changed is your ability to do the right thing for the right reason. You've got more pressure on the inside than there was on the outside. Last point I want to make about Daniel, and I think it's important. It's more an observation about what we just talked about. And that is Daniel did what he did because it reflected who he was. He didn't do what he did just to get himself in the proper position to move forward in the kingdom. He didn't just try to place himself in an advantageous role. He didn't look at every situation with a political eye and think, well, if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, that'll happen. Uh, he, he didn't live like that. And, and that's provable all the way from the beginning. Daniel could have easily closed the, the curtains of his room. He could have not let people see him praying. He could have done that. He could have easily ate the shrimp or whatever, the, the bacon that the king gave him in chapter number one early in his life. He could have made small compromises and they would have made him to have political advantages or, or personal advantage. But Daniel didn't do it and he didn't not do it because he was trying to accomplish something for him. He did it because of that's who he was. And you know, there's, there's an interesting part of our life. Christianity, for us, is not put on on the outside. It's grown from the inside. Our Christian character isn't something that we have to start every morning with and go, oh, hey, wait, no, oh, I can't act that way now. My Christian friends are here. Or, oh, there's the pastor. Be careful. Be careful how you act. Pastor's over there. It's not that. It's not putting it on on the outside. It's not looking at a mirror in the morning and thinking, I got to put my makeup on so I look like a Christian. It's who you really are going to church you know we we raise kids and many of you are in the process right now and uh, you know there's a lot of ways to deal with that you know we're going to try to make those kids go to church and and you succeed about once out of you know once in a while and then it's a big battle it was never a battle it's just who we were it's just who we were we don't go to church because we have to we go to church because we're christians that's who we are it's not negotiable. It isn't even a question. It's just who we are. Who we are is God, are God's people. We don't have to try to be good. God has made you good because when you've welcomed Jesus in your heart, he's changed your character. He's changed your nature. He's given you a new life on the inside. Those are words we use all the time. But we need to welcome them. We go to church, we give our tithes, we forgive our enemies, we love and serve people, we put God and others first. We don't do that because, oh boy, well I better do that now because that's what I, if you're trying, you're going to fail. If you do it because it's who you are, your failures will be few and far between and they'll only be there because you forgot who you were momentarily. Daniel had chosen out of the fear of God to be God's servant 
and he wasn't about to let a few lions or jealous co-workers change his life. Think about that. Daniel had a whole life. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be disappointing? We went through this whole series this summer on kings and prophets. You know, I mean, the, the hardest part for me in studying and reading all this was not the real bad kings, you know, like Ahab and, and some of these other guys that were just, ooh, just make your head shake with how could you be so evil. They, they weren't so hard for me. The ones that were so hard were the kings that did so good only to do some really bad thing in the end and go, oh, no, what did you do it for? In our lives, imagine Daniel's life. Live faithfully, had visions and dreams of God in the future, served effectively, worked to change the whole world, and God used him. And then at 82 years of age, we just don't read this story. All we read about is Daniel's not there anymore. Lions didn't get him because he never got thrown to the lions. But Darius never made that decree. And maybe Cyrus didn't make the decree to rebuild the temple because Daniel wasn't there. This morning, I hope that you'll take advantage of the opportunity God gives you. We deal with many situations in our lives that may cause us to fear. We can choose to fear God more than any of them. Then we can live a life of peace. Peace, not ease. Peace is different than ease. We'll have troubles in this life. Peace means you've got more peace on the inside than you've got trouble on the outside. Live a life of peace and blessing. This thought, if you struggle with fear and you seem to be one of those people that finds yourself getting your, your chain pulled every time you get in a bad situation, your chain gets pulled and you go a direction you don't want to go, I have a practical help for us. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it said, we all, with an unveiled face, are looking as if in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, as if in a mirror. You know what that mirror is? The scripture. It's not a normal kind of mirror. It doesn't show you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, at least me and many of us, you look and go, oh boy, I gotta do something about that. Because it shows you all your imperfections, all your needs. The word of God doesn't exist primarily to show you your imperfections and needs. The New Testament, particularly, is a mirror. You look in it, looking one way on the outside, but you see the beauty that God has made on the inside. You look at shame and guilt on the outside and God said you're forgiven and holy on the inside. You look at your past failures and you see those in the outward mirror. In the inside, you see the fact that your future is glorious and he has an amazing plan and he's never gonna give up on you. And if God is for us, he said, who can be against us? The mirror of the New Testament, when you read it, you look at it, and, and if you're struggling with, well, I, I feel like I always get my chain pulled and I try, but I can't seem to overcome. Let God's word redefine who you are. You are his servant. 
you are made righteous in his eyes. You don't have to try to achieve that. If you could achieve it, then Jesus came in vain. It is a gift of God, and it happened to you by the power of his spirit when you welcome Jesus into your life. You are forgiven. You are innocent. You are new. You have all that God says you need. That's the mirror we need to look into every day. Because as a Christian, if I get my cord pulled and I go in the wrong direction, it's because I forgot who I really was. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray in this moment. Whatever it is you might be fearing, maybe nothing right now at the moment, maybe you know there's some chains that could easily pull. Let's pray that God helps us to see ourselves as he made us to be and act on the right kind of fear. Father, right now we thank you for this time together and we ask you to help us because all of us feel afraid at times. All of us, all of us are subject to situations and problems that can make us afraid. Afraid of what we'll lose, afraid of what we'll get, afraid of what will happen, afraid of how we'll get through. But you, Father, love us, care about us, and if we do and follow you and walk in your ways, we need to fear nothing else because you're with us. Please help us to see it in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed here today, the very first step of approaching God is not to come to him because you're good and you just want to do the church thing. The very first step is to look at Jesus who died on a cross to take away our sin because without him none of this works all we have is religion but because of Jesus because of his death because of his resurrection we can be received by God innocent and free of all guilt and shame the choice however is ours will we receive him will we say yes Jesus I want to welcome you into my heart and my life I believe you died and rose again and I want you to be my savior with every head bowed just so that God can see it and so that you know what you're doing. If you're here today and you would say, I want to welcome Jesus into my life to be my Lord and my savior. If that describes you and you haven't done that, would you raise your hand just now? Just so God sees it. We're not interested in, in tallying you up or anything like that. But if it's you and you want to make that choice, I want you before God to raise your hand right now and we'll pray for you. All right, Lord, we thank you for our time here together right now in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, will bless these people here today as we go out of our way. Bless us, use us, and cause your love to show through everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. If you'd like prayer for something, please come forward. We'll have people here to pray for you. God bless you.